You're listening to Soul Roadmap Podcast with Dina Cataldo, episode 80. Are you driven to succeed? If you're listening to this, you likely are. The dark side of having drive may be having an addiction to success and that you might get tunnel vision. You create success in one area of your life to the detriment of everything else in your life. Today, I'm introducing you to a guest who's gone through the ups and downs of this drive to succeed. She shares a personal story that I know moms and hopeful moms will relate to, and she lets us in on a few of her tactics to help curb her drive to succeed in her business so that her family thrives as well. Now, before we talk to her, I want to let you in on a little secret. I used to have an addiction to my work to the exclusion of all else, but it wasn't until I learned to create time for myself that I understood what was and was not serving me in my life and what I needed to prioritize in my day-to-day life to become a more efficient, and let's face it, a whole lot better lawyer. So if you want to tap into this for yourself, I want to invite you to grab my free guide to get back five hours a week. And this is going to give you the time you need to begin prioritizing and being a better all-around lawyer. You can download it free at dinacataldo.com forward slash busy lawyer. That's dinacataldo.com forward slash busy lawyer. I'm sharing with you tried and true tactics to implement what will make an impact on your career, your health, and your personal life. And it is really going to upgrade your life as a whole. Go to dinacataldo.com forward slash busy lawyer to get it. All right, so let's talk about our guest. Maria Grace is a Virginia Tech grad who graduated magna cum laude in her international studies degree with a business concentration, so you already know she means business here. She fell in love with marketing and was actually promoted at 21 years old to the director of communications for a company, and simultaneously she began her own business. Now, Maria is an entrepreneur who wants to help other entrepreneurs cultivate their social media, become findable on search engines, and generally market themselves to a larger audience. And she's marketed everything from franchises to feature films, so she has a range of areas she works in. Oh yeah, and she has a daughter, a husband, runs marathons, and does photography on the side. So she's a bit of an overachiever. I'm sure you can relate. She's going to share some things she learned over the years about taming her addiction to success, and particularly how she learned some of this from a painful experience she and her husband had. All right, let's listen in to our interview. Hi, Maria. How are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you. Will you just start us off by introducing yourself, telling us a little something about you? Absolutely. My name is Maria and my business is Maria Grace LLC. And on the business side of things, I am an online marketing expert for small businesses. Um, My specialty is social media and SEO search engine optimization marketing. And on the personal side, I've been married for nine years next month. So that's exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. And we have an adopted daughter who is two and a half years old and she is crazy, but we love her. (laughs) And I am a marathon runner. So those are just a few quick facts about me. 
So I am most definitely not a marathon runner. <laughs> uh, I, am I don't blame you. Awe of people who do it, but I do think marathon runners are just a little bit crazy. So I love that's accurate. <laughs> that's accurate. Yeah. Crazy here on the podcast. Um, but it is something that I know a lot of lawyers do. And so I think that that's kind of interesting that you are such a big marathon runner. We were talking before we got started here and we're recording this right after Thanksgiving weekend. And Maria was telling me how she just did like a 5k, you know, with mm -hmm. her husband and she couldn't talk her family members into doing it anymore. <laughs> they are out. <laughs> they did it once and that was one too many times for all of them. So that's okay. Well, okay. So I really wanted to talk to you because you are an ultra high achiever. You're somebody who mm -hmm. has really worked very hard in your life. And one of the things that I am constantly coming across with the lawyers that I work with, as well as myself, is that we are doers. Like we mm -hmm. are constantly doing. So I kind of want to get into the vibe of how you have come to where you are right now and really get into that background of, you know, schooling and all of that and kind of getting you to where we are right now, which, cause we're going to be talking about how to handle things better, more mm -hmm. with more ease, but let's start off where there wasn't that ease. Can you tell us a little bit about that part of your life? Yeah, absolutely. I went to school at Virginia tech, which is a great school. And I, I would say even in high, uh, even in high school and college, I was a pretty high achiever as far as grades. And so I just found a lot of my success in getting really good grades. I went to a governor's school for math and science, even though I hated math and science. I, you know, I just kind of ticked off all the academic boxes that I possibly could because I wasn't athletic and I didn't have a bunch of other accolades. So I just, you know, hit my nose to the groundstone at what I could do and that was school. So I achieved pretty well in high school and college. Um, I would say, though, the strongest part of my achievement personality came out after I'd been working for a few years. And at that point, I was in a job as director of communications for a nonprofit organization. And at the same time, I started a business on the side. And that's really when I had to achieve or that's when I felt like I had to achieve because mm -hmm. I would work. I had my 40 hour week job, sometimes more. And then I would come home and I had as much work as I could handle. Um, you know, some nights I could handle three or four hours and some nights I had other commitments and couldn't do that. But it just made me really efficient, which I think in some ways was good, in some ways was negative in the long run. And I just grew that business until one day I was able to quit my full-time job, which was a dream of mine. But that really it set the wheels in motion for a life that I love and a passion for my job, but it also set the wheels in motion for being so singularly focused and so focused on achieving and growing and making my business work and making everything happen and using every minute that I just got really tunnel vision, I guess. I got tunnel vision really badly. And even my husband could see it at the time, but I was just focus on achievement. So that's kind of where everything started and how it kind of snowballed to where it got. I'm curious when you were simultaneously building your business on top of your full-time job, your full-time career, really, did you feel as if you were 
grinding, you know, like they've got these, you know, these really popular people out there in the entrepreneur world mm -hmm. where they're saying grind, they're saying hustle, you know, work until your eyeballs bleed. Right. And then right. there, you know, there's this burnout that can come with even just mm -hmm. having a singular focus on your career. Do you feel like what you're describing this transition and this tunnel vision was kind of like a burnout point for you? Can you explain that a little? <sighs> I think it would be burnout for a lot of people. And I don't say that in a prideful way because I don't think that I handle success in a healthy way all the time, which is just something I've worked on for a lifetime and will continue to do. But my main issue is that I didn't get burnout and the more success I saw, the harder I worked. And so there were definitely times that I was tired. I don't want to say I was just peppy every single morning but I got up early and I stayed up late and I loved it. I really did for several years. I really loved my full-time job. And I honestly, when I started my side business, had no intention of quitting and that did change over time, but I loved what I was doing on the side and I loved my full-time job. And I think a lot of it stemmed from my husband when we were newlyweds, he started his master's degree and he he has kind of a similar tunnel vision in some ways. And so he would spend eight hours on Saturdays working at his master's degree. And I just felt like I had to fill the time. I felt lazy if I wasn't doing something while he was working. You know, I felt a little bored in all fairness. I got a dog at the time too that did not <laughs> exactly fill the need. Um, so I wanted, I wanted to have something to do and not just do it, but I wanted to work and to achieve and grow. And so that that growth fueled me really well, even when I was tired. And so I don't actually think I ever got burnout, which I think is a bad thing. I will and say that. What Can you explain that to us? I think if I had truly gotten burnout or had allowed other people to speak into my life when they saw the unhealthy side of my success, I think I would have handled the success and achievement better. And I think I would have had my priorities better in place. But because I just get so fueled off achievement, I just go harder and more. And then when I achieved this level, then I need this one. And I just had to keep growing. And it was just, it was never good enough. And I was never good enough for myself. And I think that's an unhealthy place to be. Describe for us some of the ways that this showed up in your life. You said your husband noticed some of these things coming out. Mm -hmm. What was going on? Well, he is a very gracious person. Um, he's often much more gracious than me, but he is also, in a lot of ways, he can be more loving and affectionate than me, especially when I'm, I've got that tunnel vision on a goal. And so it would come down to, you know, I'd be working on whatever I was working on and he would want to come in for five or 10 minutes and just quick chat about the day. He wasn't trying to interrupt me or bother me. You know, he's not the kind to like interrupt me every two seconds. He's actually an introvert. And so he liked his alone time, but he would come in for, you know, just five minute quick chat. And I would snap at him like, don't interrupt my work. Don't interrupt me. Um, it's really embarrassing to admit, but I was prioritizing not just my work, but my own ambitions over him and over our marriage. And so that led to not as much conflict as you'd imagine, because my husband is just super gracious, but he would constantly say, get your head out of the hole, get your head out of the hole. This is not all there is. And while I knew that in my head, that's not how I felt because I just wanted to keep achieving. 
You know, and I think that, I mean, I know personally I've been there. I, I have to be mindful of when I'm working because I know Mm -hmm. that if, you know, I'm interrupted that I, I will have that tendency to snap too. So I really have to make sure I'm on my meditation because that's what gives me that space between um, Mm -hmm. working really hard. And then if I'm interrupted, I can have a moment to be like, okay, this is fine. Everything's going to be fine and have a moment before I snap. (laughs) But that's like, I think that's common for a lot of us. And I, Mm -hmm. and I know that the lawyers that I've coached, they have that same thing going on because we do get so focused. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just recognize if you're hearing this right now and you do these things, these same things, know that it's completely normal. There's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with you. It's just something to notice. Mm -hmm. So what did you do, Maria, when you started noticing this? Like, how did you take action to kind of like, you know, shift yourself a little bit? What did you do? I honestly did nothing. Um, (laughs) I... I knew it was a problem and I knew that's not how I wanted to be as a wife. And I envisioned myself as a mom one day and I thought that's not how I wanted to be. Um, But it's really hard. I think because I get so addicted to success and I was seeing success, it was really hard to take that action. Even though I knew there was a problem, there was just a disconnect between saying, Hey, this is a big issue and I'm actually going to do something to change it rather than do something for a couple of days. And like, you know, I'm just going to resolve in my head to not be annoyed. And that just doesn't work. <laughs> it, it doesn't. Um, and so just to talk about more of my personal story, what ended up happening that just changed the trajectory of my business and my life and my outlook is that we entered into the adoption process because we wanted to grow our family. And about, I guess, a year and a half in, we were matched with a birth mom and she was pregnant. Um, at the time, we didn't know the gender. Later found out it was a boy. It was due December 30th, I believe, or 31st. I can't remember her due date because that's not when she ended up going into labor. But right at the end of December in 2015. And so we met with her. We had a great conversation. Everything was good to go. And she even asked if I could be in the delivery room to see our child delivered. And of course, I said yes. I mean, what a huge honor. And so we just waited and waited and I couldn't focus on anything else in between her due date and when she actually gave birth because I just kept thinking he's coming anytime. I thought it was a boy. I did. I was very convinced. (laughs) Um, I thought he's coming anytime. He's coming anytime. And so I was just kind of a nervous wreck. And so on January 3rd, in the very, very early morning hours, we were called to the hospital Um, Her water had broken. She was going into labor. And so we drove over there and we had the whole nursery set up. We had the car seat, you know, we had everything ready to go. Um, We told a lot of people. We had said we wouldn't tell a lot of people, but we were just so excited. We told everyone, you know, we're getting this baby. And so friends and family were giving us gifts and congratulating us. And we were so excited. I actually had a baby shower planned for the afternoon of January 3rd. So January 3rd in the morning, we rush to the hospital and we get there and I kind of run in and the nurses gave me a weird look and just said, go in the waiting room. And so we waited there and to cut some of the story a little bit shorter, um, what ended up happening is that I never got to meet our baby. Um, He, during birth, the cord was wrapped around his neck and so he died before he was ever born. So I didn't get to meet him. I never saw 
his mom again, um, his birth mom. And we left from the hospital with an empty car seat. And it, it still feels like it was a nightmare. I still, I still can't quite believe that happened. It was a complete, I want to say punch to the gut, but that doesn't even, I would take that a million times over before I would go through that again. And so we got home and we um, pull up our sleeping bag. Sorry, I'm getting, it's, it's hard to walk through it again. Um, we pulled out our sleeping bags and we slept on the floor of his room. And at that point we still didn't even know it was a boy because the doctor came and talked to us and just kind of set us home. Um, so we found out later it was a boy and we named him Joel. And we, over the next few weeks and months and honestly years, we just walked through the grief process of loving a child we never knew of losing not just a child but we felt at the time we were losing our hope for being a family um we had all this baby stuff we didn't know what to do with we had everyone who knew and so for weeks and months afterwards we would have to tell people who were excited to meet our baby um and then people nobody knew what to say to us so every time we had to walk through that process again of grieving and so it just, it rocked our world. It, it's still, I still think about Joel a lot. Um, and I just, I stopped doing everything for a few weeks because I had, excuse me, sorry. I, I was just curious. How did you feel like just stopping? Like, I know it was for grieving, but to just stop all of the working towards success, how did, how did that feel for you? I, I think it was a grace of God that it felt like the right thing to do at the time. I had actually, I'd been, um, I'm a person of faith. And so I was praying a few months before we even knew Joel existed. And I was just praying that my business would succeed and I would do well, just kind of my typical achievement prayers. And I just heard God talk back to me and say, if your business fails and if you never become a mother, is that enough? Am I enough? And the morning that we slept in Joel's room, that we lost Joel, the minute I woke up before I had a single thought, before I could even process, was this really real? The first question in my head was, is this enough? Am I enough? And I said, yes. And I didn't fully believe that at the time, but I knew that I had to get there. I knew I had to get to the place where I didn't need a child to fulfill me. As as hard as that was to think about at the time, um, I needed to get to a place where my business is not what fulfilled me because that might not be forever. And it has its ups and downs and I can't arrest my identity on my business. And so that moment allowed me to just breathe for three weeks. And my husband and I had actually planned to go on a trip with our church to Africa. And so I initially pulled out of it because I thought we'd have a baby. And I think a day or two later, I called back the church and I said, Hey, can I still go? And they graciously let me go. And so that was a very sweet time of literally stepping away from the continent and everything we knew. And it just, I had about three or four weeks of actual grieving and it felt like the right thing to do even though it was the hardest thing I could imagine doing. Wow. Now I can't even I can't even imagine going through that. I've 
I don't have a child and I've never gone through that process to have that person really kind of, it's formulated in your mind. Like you have this expectation Mm -hmm. of how things are going to be and to not have that and to actually be able to connect with yourself enough to say, this is, I am enough. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's okay that I don't have a child. It's okay. If my business isn't what I want it to be or how I think it's quote unquote supposed to be how my family's supposed to be. I'm, I'm okay. I'm enough. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you worked towards over time? Like, it sounds like you'd kind of been sitting with this for a little bit, like with your business, Mm -hmm. how did that come about that conversation in your mind? I think the biggest thing was that when I woke up without Joel, I had to believe that was true. Um, I'm a very hard-headed person. I'm a soft heart, but a hard head. And so the first place that hit me was my heart. And it was a lot easier to go from belief to action than what I've been trying to do was go from knowledge and trying to make things work down to the core belief, because I don't know if a lot of your audience will probably relate to this, I would imagine. So it's, it's really hard when you don't believe something deep in your heart, even if you know you should, even if you know it's the right thing, it's hard to convince yourself to do the right thing or to do the hard thing if you don't have that in your heart. And so with, with losing Joel and how momentous that was, I started with the belief that what I have and who I am and who God made me to be has to be enough. And then action stemmed out of that. So I don't want to say it was easy. It was the hardest thing I've ever gone through, but the process was in the right order and that made it simple, even though it was hard. Yeah. How did going through all of this impact your day-to-day life? Like when you came back and you had had an opportunity for a short time to grieve and kind of get away from everything. Mm-hmm. How did that impact you when you came back or did it impact you at all? Oh my gosh. So much. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I stepped back into work slowly and it's, it's a little bit of a blur. I don't remember everything that I did. And, um, there was a lot of extra things, you know, people visiting and things that we had to do, but, Work-wise, I I knew when I finally fully stepped back into work, I was starting from that place of belief. And so I said, this, this has to be different. This can't be the same. And so I, in, in my schedule, I allowed time for my family to call me without being frustrated that they were interrupting my day. And I allowed time for my husband to ask me questions. And I don't want to sit here and tell you that one day I wasn't there and the next day I was perfect. I'm still a work in progress. But the biggest takeaway that I have is that people are are a priority. They're not a problem. Because I kept thinking if I if everything had gone well and my heart's desire came true and I had Joel with me, I wouldn't be able to work, you know, seven to five every day with no lunch break. And then again, start back in the evenings. I just couldn't, and that would be okay. And so I knew that if I took a little breath or took a little bit longer lunch or allowed for interruptions, I would be okay. And my business would be okay. And that proved to be true. And so 
it wasn't an overnight change. It was just a gradual recognition that I needed people in my life day to day. And that really did include my husband, um, even in the middle of work. And so it made me more patient, more loving. It made me respond better, not perfectly, but better. And it continues to transform my perspective. Um, when my daughter now interrupts me, I have a very different, when I'm when I'm in a patient place, which is not all the time, but <laughs> I have a very different reaction to what I would call an interruption because it's not, because she's my priority. And so if she needs me or if my husband needs me and they're interrupting something that I'm perceiving as important, then I'm in the wrong because nothing is more important than them. And that doesn't mean I neglect my work or I never do anything. Obviously, I still, I still get a lot of stuff done. <laughs> Um, but I can't, <laughs> I, I cannot view my own priorities as the most important because they're just not, and that will just lead me to a really unhealthy place. So one of the things, like, as you were talking, I was thinking about some of the things that I have had to do for myself in order to create those opportunities to not only have that focused, concentrated time to yourself. Like for me, my mornings are sacrosanct. Like I mm, need that time yeah. to myself nobody can talk to me for like the first hour. I'm yeah. like, let's just face yep. it. Don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> we literally have a rule in our marriage where I, I technically have 15 minutes, but I get up so early. It's more like an hour and a half. And it's just, it, it just helps our marriage. It's right? just good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. The, the, and being able to communicate these things to people, like you probably mm -hmm. have communicated that to your husband, like, Hey, just FYI. Yeah. time. Yeah. That's what I needed to do. And I also noticed that I needed to be proactive with my friends. Like when I knew something was coming up, I'd say, hey, what day is that baby shower? I, let me know. So that way I could calendar it way in advance and make sure I've got that whole day blocked. That's a friend day. You know, whatever it is, I had to be proactive about it and say, okay, I'm going to block this off or make choices. Say, okay, look, I am going to spend you know, cause it's all about saying no, it's saying no to those things that you think are going to lead to that achievement. Right. The, and saying, you know what, I want to prioritize my husband. I want to prioritize my friends and family. Let's talk about your morning habits. Can you tell us like in your ideal world, what your morning habit is? I know that so often we don't stick.